I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Everybody, welcome back. The latest edition of Knowles 24-7 presents Beyond the Bench. Knoll thy enemy. My God, that was a mouthful. However, we were coming to you for, I think, the ninth time this season. But this is our first ever Rivalry game, hate week edition of Know Thy Enemy. I am your host, Trey Rowland, and I am here with our own version of Joey Freshwater, Dane Kiffin. What's going on, Dane Kiffin Draper? How you doing, big dog? I'm doing pretty good, Trey. How about you? I'm feeling I'm feeling the hate a little bit, my man. I yeah. guess we're recording with you on a nice Thursday afternoon. You guys are gonna be hearing this on Friday, right before the game, and I think that uh I'm starting to feel those good old hate vibes, my man. Like there's energy in the building. It's a night game. Florida State's nine millionth of the season. Hard Rock Stadium will be full for the first time this season. And Florida State's got a great shot to knock off knock off one of their uh, longtime rivals, man. It, it's an interesting game, and it's a it's a talented Miami team that has certainly not played up to their potential at all. What are your initial thoughts of this matchup, though, first Dane? Yeah, I mean, it's a rivalry game. I think that overpowers all the metrics and everything somewhat, right? But like you said, they're a really talented team, are pretty talented, more talented than they've shown on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're as bad as as they is like the scoreboard has shown them to be in recent weeks. But, um, but I think it's a team that Florida State should beat, and that's something we'll come to the conclusion at the end of. Um, but... Yeah. And they're talented, but they're talented in pockets, right? It's definitely not like a Miami team of old. And we're not even talking like old, old, like the 80s and the 90s. I'm even talking about some of those Mark Rick teams. It's got talent in pockets, but it's very unevenly distributed. So we'll talk about all that. But just as far as the total metrics as what Miami has done this season, because it has been a very disappointing season in Mario Cristobal's first. They are 4-4, four and four, and their wins have come against Bethune-Cookman, Southern Miss, Virginia Tech, and last week in a multiple overtime uh, thriller, fourteen to twelve victory over Virginia, uh, and they've lost. They've lost to some not very good teams either. I mean, they lost to Texas A and M, and we know that they've had a disappointing season. Whacked against Middle Tennessee State and Duke, and then they lose one to North Carolina. So this is a game. Uh, as far as how the advanced metrics see them, Bill Connolly's S&P Plus for ESPN, they have Miami ranked as the 62nd overall team in the entire country, and that's tempo-adjusted, and that's opponent-adjusted. So 62nd in the entire country. Their offense is the 67th best, which is a huge head-scratcher, if you would have thought with all those running backs, Will Mallory and Tyler Van Dyke coming back. That offense is severely underinformed, and the defense hasn't really been that impressive either. They're the 56th ranked defense in the entire country to S&P Plus, which is very pedestrian. To be honest with you, their total team ranking of 62 would be going down if they weren't bolstered by having the fifth best special teams in the country. 
How that matches up with Florida State, S&P Plus, he's Florida State is the 33rd best team in the country with the 38th best offense, the 36th best defense, and the <clears throat> 124th worst, like best, worst, however you want to say it, special teams <laughs> in the country. So the advanced metrics favor FSU. And according to S&P Plus, this is Florida State's second easiest game left of the four minus Louisiana Lafayette. And they have Louisiana Lafayette ranked as 66th. So the, the advanced metrics don't see this Miami team that much different than Louisiana Lafayette, which is crazy, Dane. Do you do you agree with those advanced metrics? I mean, and those were the ones we're, we're eight games into the season. This is going to be the ninth. Those numbers only get better with the more data that they have. So those numbers are pretty spot on. I mean, does Miami look like that bad of a team in your eyes? I feel like Miami's kind of a weird team because I feel like their biggest weakness on offense and defense is explosive plays. Like on offense, they're they're really efficient, actually. They're ninth in the country in success rate of uh, throwing and running. It's pretty weird, but they really lack explosive plays. And, um, and I think that's why they have such a poor um, yards per attempt and yards per carry statistic. I think they're 84th in yards per carry on the ground. And I actually lost all my stats on my screen. So I'm really going all off the dome here. I've got them all. 110th in net net yards per pass attempt and 84th in yards per carry. So that's, that's really poor, but in success rate, they're really good. I think 36th uh, nationally in success rate passing and fifth or sixth in rushing success rate. So it's really interesting there. I think that just comes down to lacking explosive plays on the ground. Like I said, they, they're just a hair over 50% of their rushes um, being successful, which is really good. But they, their longest run on the year is 26 yards, and they've only had three runs on the year over 20 yards. So it's really odd there. And then passing, it's a similar story. Um, yeah, they only just, have seven. They only have seven passing touchdowns during the entire year, which I think, and we're going to talk about when we start talking about these guys individually. Their receivers have been a massive have been a massive disappointment. Obviously, Tyler Van Dyke hasn't hasn't covered himself well in glory either, but it hasn't been all him. So it'll be interesting to see, like, is it the scheme that Josh Gaddis brought over from Michigan? Is it the inability of the wide receivers? I mean, even with, even with, they do have some talented guys over there. Restrepo's coming back from injury. He hasn't really been a factor, but Will Mallory is, is a very talented prospect and they really just haven't been able to get it done. They're, they're a team that lives in plays in that three to seven yard range um, and it just hasn't been enough to, to get the victories to get the victories that they're looking for. So I, I don't know. Like you said, I, I'm at a loss for words a little bit because they are a weird game. They are a weird team because there's talent there. But man, they played really bad. Yeah, and honestly, I was getting my offensive and defensive stats mixed up with the whole passing thing. But about the run thing, yeah, six in success rate, um, and their longest run of the season is twenty six. It's twenty six yards, and they have three rushes over twenty. Super weird. Like you said, Van Dyke. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's a mix of a lot of things with him being inconsistent. He's definitely capable. He can make a ton of throws, probably any throw in the field, uh, relative to other college quarterbacks, especially. But not great offensive line play. You mentioned the wide receivers. Um, Xavier Strepo being out, he's like really Van Dyke's safety blanket on the mm-hmm. year. And uh, Will Mallory hasn't been great, but he's their most targeted wide receiver or targeted receiver. He's a tight end. Um, 
they just haven't had many impact guys on that side of the ball to help out Van Dyke, and he hasn't helped himself either a ton, I guess, with some cons- inconsistent play. You know, you know what, too, Dane, where I think a lot of this comes down to with a highly efficient, high success rate offense, even with lacking some of the explosive plays, what's really been the Achilles heel? I think you nailed it on that offensive line. Uh, Miami's offensive line, they've allowed 21 sacks on the season in eight games. That's that's 93rd in the country. They also allow five and a half tackles for loss per game. That's 68th. So obviously when you're getting getting four-yard runs consistently is good, but there's a lot of times where Miami's offensive line is a sev, right? And they just they give up a lot of negative plays. And then, my God, the turnovers. They've lost nine fumbles on the season. That's 123rd in the nation. 16 total turnovers, 109th in the nation. So if there's any play, and we saw it last week when the ball hit Renardo Green in the chest, will Florida State's takeaway streak of not having any finally be broken? It wasn't last week, but man, it, it really it really has a chance to be against Miami. So I think that that's it's it's not an explosive offense, and it's one that's been plagued with poor execution, and that's why you have a four and four record with honestly no wins of note, in my opinion. So we, we talked a little bit about the offense, but let's talk about it more formally. Uh, we've talked about the woes of that unit. Let's talk about the individual performers. And I think that you got to start with the quarterback. And we mentioned Tyler Van Dyke a couple times. This is a guy that was coming off of before the season. Some, some analysts had him as a first round projection. One of the first quarterbacks taken off the board and he's hurt right now. So we're not even sure if he's going to play, but in other games, he's been benched for Jake Garcia. So what do you think of Miami's quarterback play and who do you expect to uh, play against the Knolls for the majority of the snaps on Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge question. I don't know if anyone really knows the answer to that for sure. I know Cristobal is super tight to the vest with all injury stuff. Um, uh, We know Van Dyke has practiced this week, um, but who knows if he really plays. That could be something that Cristobal is just floating, so FSU has to prepare for for Van Dyke as well as Garcia. Garcia is capable too, but he didn't have a great game versus Virginia last week, certainly. No, um, God, just... what a terrible game that was for <laughs> anybody that watched it on BallySportsOcho.net, Raycom, or whatever that was on. Yeah, really rough. Um, both quarterbacks are, are capable, but neither have played super well. Um, I don't know. I, I, I talked to someone that would would know as well as anybody with Miami, and they said they, they if they had the bet on anyone, it's probably Garcia. Okay. Um, but I really can't give you any clear answer there. I think Florida State fans should hope it's Garcia, but um, even if it is Van Dyke, uh, based on how the season has gone, he shouldn't be too worried, I guess. I mean, he's he's worth being concerned about because he is so capable, but we just have not seen that. With the nature of the injury too, to Van Dyke being a shoulder injury, that's that's gonna highly that's gonna highly kneecap his effectiveness, and he hasn't really been that effective all season, but for Conversation shake, if, if it is, uh, redshirt freshman Jake Garcia, his numbers haven't been great. He's uh, 47 of 78 on the year, 595 passing yards. That's like a 60% completion rate against Miami's soft schedule. That's nothing to write home about. Two touchdowns and three picks. So with that combination of the receivers that they have there, it wouldn't be likely that Florida State is going to get burned through the air, even though Florida State's weakness on defense has been the communications and issues in the secondary, particularly the cornerbacks. 
However, once again, like it was against Georgia Tech, maybe a good opportunity for the Knoll secondary to stack up some confidence there. Let's talk about – you want to talk about the running backs next, Dane, sure. because this is the best part of this, of this Miami offense, in my opinion. What do you think? Do you agree with that, or do you think it's the tight ends? Uh, I, Will Mallory is probably the best the – best, I guess you could call him skill guy on the offense. Um, but Henry, Henry Parrish is definitely up there. Um, as the lead back, he's clearly the lead running back at this point in the season, especially with whatever's going on with Jalen Knighton. Um, but Henry yeah, Parrish, weird. Henry Parrish, 114 carries. That's a lot. That's far more than their second leading guy. 515 yards, about five a carry. Um, his longest run on the year is only 24 yards. So he's definitely not like an explosive player. Um, but to me, that just makes that five yard per carry, uh, metric like that much more impressive because he's just that consistent in getting that. He has a 57% rushing success rate on the year, just him running the ball, and that's that's really good. He's an 86.4 run grade on PFF. Um, definitely a strong player. He's listed 5'10", 190, so not a big, like, bruising back in size, but sure. he runs hard. And uh, I think he's he's definitely the the lead back for them. And I expect it to be that way when, when Florida state plays them behind him. Um, Lucy is Stanley or Lucius Stanley has kind of become the second back for them. He's a transfer from UAB. He's been in college for like 80 years now. He's one ah, of those fantastic. guys. Okay, good. So he's, <laughs> he's there. He's there. Leonard Warner. They've got a running right. back Leonard Warner. He's not as good as our Leonard though, but keep going. But Lucius no. Stanley. Okay. He's been he, – is he kind of supplanted Thad Franklin Jr. as the as the next man up uh, behind right. Parrish? Okay. Right. I think I, uh, Thad Franklin, he was a big-time recruit. He's a big 240-pound running back for them. But he's seen less action lately. I think he's only had like five carries in the last two games. Interesting. Um, his usage has definitely diminished. Um, but he is using the goal line a lot, five touchdowns for Franklin. Anyway, though, Stanley, he's 6'1", 210 pounds. I think they just like him mainly because he's more reliable and a guy that would be sharing carries with Parrish in the preseason, the guy that was expected to be there, would be Jalen Knighton. And Jalen Knighton is a big-time playmaker, blue-chip recruit. He was once committed to Florida State. He's, he's their home run hitter in that backfield, but he's been really unreliable. I'm not sure if it's practice or – or what I know he's had issues with ball security. He's had two fumbles, um, but he's been I effectively benched. He didn't play against UVA. He didn't play against Virginia, and that's when Stanley really took a took that second back role in the offense. And we'll yeah, see. I, I do think Knighton will will play against Florida State. If I had to guess, I know Cristobal mentioned that he he'd see some more usage this week in all likelihood. He would need to because they need all hands on deck to kind of help out this offense and get it a jump start. So it'll, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if, if you watch Kevin Little's video, who's a part of our Knowles 24-7 and the triple option X is a Knowles team. Uh, he did a great video preview talking about the scheme. Miami's run offense uh, relies a lot on a duo concept, which is a lot of double teams on the offensive line leaving one of the linebackers unblocked and then kind of make it the running back making a read based off what they do. So Florida State's linebackers are going to be extremely important in this game, making the right reads, making decisive reads, not getting caught up in the muck. And then Florida State's defensive tackles are going to – Robert Cooper, Fabian Lovett, they're really going to have to flex their muscle and penetrate and get some penetration on some of those double teams, beat them, and then just blow up this running game. Uh, the, I feel like we've talked about the offensive line – 
a, a lot just based on all the total stats. Is there anything more you want to talk about the offensive line before we move on to tight ends and wide receivers? Yeah, I mean, we've they're generally underwhelming. We we talked about that. Um, Zion Nelson, he was seen as a, an impact guy for them at left tackle in the preseason. He's been out. I think he'll stay out um, for Florida State's matchup with them, especially. Um, but that's a big loss for them. He, they're used to him being out at this point, but he's definitely worth noting. John Campbell has been his replacement. He's been okay. Uh, Jalen Rivers is probably the best guy on that offensive line at left guard. He's a former top 150 recruit. And as Cooper, he's a true freshman for them. It's something I I think Florida State could look to exploit. He's starting sure. at, at left guard. He got his first start last week. That was seen as that left guard spot was seen as a big weakness for them. Probably the biggest weakness on that offensive line beforehand. And they think maybe he solved that for them. Uh, he's a huge kid. Like I said, he's a true freshman, but he's listed at six six three fifty. Um, but he's someone that that Florida State who has a strength, especially now on the defensive interior, um, maybe can look to exploit. And then DJ Scaife at right tackle, he has the team high. Um, and PFF pass blocking grade with 84. That's pretty so, good. That's pretty good. Yeah. So I think if they have a weakness, it probably isn't that inside because of that freshman. Um, but Jalen Rivers at, at left guard is also holding it down. I think they're kind of well-rounded, but generally underwhelming, uh, like we mentioned. Yeah, and I think this will probably be the best defensive line that Miami's seen outside of maybe like a Texas A&M. And Texas A&M was able to hold that offense to nine points. So that'll be very interesting to see how successful a finally fully healthy pretty much Florida State defensive line is against that unit. Let's just lump in the, the wide receivers and the tight ends together. We talked about Will Mallory a lot. Florida State has been susceptible to especially some of those kind of shallow tight end crossing routes on some clear outs. Um, they've been really susceptible to bunch formations. If you watch the triple option film review that we did, Florida state is like a top 20, top 25 ish defense in the country in terms of like yards per play allowed. When you look at specifically just bunch formation plays, that's both like passing and running. They start to turn into like the 100th or the 110th best slash worst team in the entire country out of that set. And that is something that I don't I don't think it's particularly something that Josh Gaddis likes to do a lot. But man, if he's an offensive coordinator worth his salt, he should really test Florida State's defense out of bunch formations. So let's talk about the receivers and the tight ends that are going to test that Florida State secondary. What do you make of those of those units, the tight ends and the wide receivers? Uh, Dane, has it been as bad as it looked on film to you? Um, I think it's gotten better. I think it okay. I think it'll be better than it has been for most of the year especially because you've, you're getting some key contributors back. I mean, mainly Xavier Estrepo. He's seen as that safety blanket guy in the preseason. I know he was like a freshman roommate with Tyler Van Dyke um, in that slot. Just a reliable guy. He's been out. He's back now. He had one catch versus Virginia. I think he's – I assume he's healthier now than he was even then. He also has the highest PFF grade in that wide receiver room with an 86.5 grade on the year. Um but a guy who's emerged lately is Colby Young. He's a first-year guy with Miami. He's, he comes from the Juco ranks. He's 6'5", 215. He's a mm. big play threat, big body. And uh, it, he's only played four games this year. In two of those four games, he's been over 100 yards, and he has four touchdowns in that span as well. Um, I think he's definitely emerged as 
is like the most dangerous receiver in that room, you could say. Sure. Very productive and somebody who's emerged late. So somebody that we really need to focus on as Florida State fans and, of course, our defensive coordinator, secondary coach, all that. And Will Mallory is just – it's say what you want about Miami, and we really could, but it's a kid show. Uh, they're a tight end factory, and this is just another talented tight end. 6'5", uh, 245, fifth-year senior. He, he leads the team in receptions and receiving yards. Just one touchdown, though, so he hasn't really been a great red zone threat. But uh, Will Mallory's as advertised, right, right, Dane? Oh, yeah, yeah. He leads the team in targets, too. Just definitely uh, one of the better tight ends in the ACC. Someone to worry about. He's had his woes, too, this season. Had a couple drops. The team's struggled with that in general. But he's a, so, he's a player worth looking out for. Yeah, so once again, we mentioned earlier in the running game, but covering Will Mallory going to be a big, big game for uh, FSU's linebackers. But I think the coverage is one of their strengths, so I think Bethune and Deloach particularly are going to be up for this game. Let's move on to the other side of the ball because this is the better side of the ball um, in, in terms of Miami's offense and their defense. And it's a defense that is very good at creating sacks, at creating pressure which is interesting that even with a defense that's so good at creating sacks and pressure, they're still considered to be the 56th best in the country by S&P+. So let's talk about that unit that creates those sacks and those pressures first day in the defensive line, and then maybe we can talk when we're talking about the rest of the defense, why they haven't been as effective that they have with all the pressure that they do. So I think when you're talking about the defensive line, it starts and ends with, um, with Leonard Taylor, uh, extremely talented, I believe, former five-star prospect. He's just a sophomore. He leads the team. He's got four quarterback hurries from the interior, six foot three, 305 pounds, eight tackles for loss, and three sacks. So he is, as advertised, uh, Maurice Smith, I thought, after watching the film, had a pretty rough game against Georgia Tech, considering his opponent with both the snapping and some of the blocks. So that interior is going to have his hands have their hands full. So what do you make of Miami's defensive line? Talk about Leonard Taylor and then just talk about anybody else that caught your eye as you uh, broke down this team. Yeah, they really have a few guys. Leonard Taylor being probably the most talented one. Like you said, former five-star recruit. Uh, he's been especially good lately, man. He had hit four TFLs and one and a half sacks against Virginia last week and like like pretty limited snaps. Um, just super good. In the last two weeks against Virginia and Duke, uh, he's been he's had over a 90 PFF grade overall. Just he's been elite lately, and that's that's how he was supposed to be coming in. So it's not a huge surprise. Just a freak athlete, big kid, definitely someone to look out for. Um, other guys, two guys that can play on the interior too. Um, Akeem Mesador, he might be the best player on the defense, even including Leonard Taylor. Wow. Um, he was a big time transfer addition from West Virginia this past off season. He's only played in six games. He's been kind of banged up, but he has had five sacks in those six games. He had three and a half for Virginia tech. Um, yeah, he, he, he starts at defensive end, but he definitely has defensive tackle flexibility. I think he came in as a defensive tackle out of the transfer portal. He was expected to be more, to be used more there. Um, 87.8 PFF grade on the season. That's borderline elite. Uh, definitely a really good player. It's kind of like um, Georgia Tech last week with Keon White. He was a really big defensive end, 286-pound defensive end for them. And he definitely gave Florida State some problems on the outside with the tackles. Um, that's that's a big concern of mine going into this game. Akeem Mesador is healthier now. 
could definitely give FSU some problems. Daryl Jackson taking up one of the other starting spots on the inside at defensive tackle. He's another transfer they like a ton. Uh, he came from Maryland. A guy that Florida State w- was pursuing in the transfer portal as well. Right, and he's grown since then. I don't remember what he was listed at in the portal. Six, but... six, 300, right? Is that what he's at now? Yeah, he's he looks great, and he's played really well. He's had three sacks from that interior, from the interior this season. Uh, he's pretty young too. They just have a really good defensive line. Jafari Harvey is another good defensive end. Um, he's graded out well. I think he three and a half sacks in the year. They're just really good up front, and that's really where they stand out most on the defense. It's where they stand out most in the whole team. They just have a ton of talent there, so Florida State really needs to uh, to game plan around that. Very disruptive at all fronts, from the interior, the edges. That Mesador kid's really um, is really effective. It, it does say here on some of the notes that we had that he left Miami's last game with an injury. So we'll see we'll see how healthy he is. If he is, he's very um, he's very productive. But they're productive everywhere. So how's Mike Norvell going to attack a very aggressive, very productive? Miami defensive line, are you going to use a lot of screens? Are you going to use a lot of traps, use the aggressiveness of that interior against them? Uh, are you going to call a lot of zone read plays? Are there going to be a lot of motion? What are you going to do to put a little bit of hesitation on a defensive line that has been able to basically just pin their ears back and create havoc? It's also a defensive line that hasn't played a lot of great offenses outside of UNC. So I think that that is one to keep track of. Um, and we know that Florida State, that offensive line, has had some issues, uh, particularly on the edges. Sometimes in the interior, it's really been kind of they've been picking and choosing which spot of the offensive line's given them issues. But Florida State's offensive line is one thing for sure, and it's battle tested against LSU, against Clemson. They have played some very talented defensive lines. So my, while Miami's is very good, I don't think it's the best that they've seen this year. So th- their offensive line is going to be ready for it, but it's something that Mike really needs to scheme around, and I'm confident that he will. What do we think of the rest of the defense? So obviously the defensive line is by far the strength of this Miami defense. Uh, what do we think of the linebackers? Uh, anybody worth a note there? Pretty underwhelming. I'd say Corey Flagg is like the veteran in that room. I think he's kind of the leader of the defense. Um, generally just really undersized. He's listed 5'11", 230. I don't even know if he reaches that. He's just really limited physically. Um, kind of reminds me of like a DeCallum Brooks if he started for three years in a row or something. Um Smart kid for sure, but intro. Okay, well, that's a good comparison because Florida State knows that. So, is that something to where hopefully we don't know how much Trayshawn Ward's going to play? But with Florida State running a lot more like two back sets, Lawrence Tofili in the backfield coming out of the backfield, maybe you put Chikai Douglas in the backfield running routes. I really think that Florida State can take advantage of these linebackers in coverage, right, Dane? Yeah, I think that is the weakness of their defense. That's something they'll have to do. For sure. And then uh, other guys of note, um, Caleb Johnson's the other starter there. He's a UCLA transfer. Um, he stepped into a starting role because uh, preseason expected starter, Wayman Steed, he was out for the year. He's been out for the year with an injury. Um, so it's really flagging Johnson holding down the linebacker spots. But I definitely think that's the weakness of the entire defense. Well, if there's one thing that Mike Norvell is good at, especially with his running backs, it's manipulating the flow of the linebackers and and putting them in positions uh, that are in the best case scenario for his offense. So that'll be something to watch. And what do you make of the Miami secondary? A team, I mean, they've got a five-star back there too and safety James Williams, and they've got some talent. 
So you would think, especially with all of the cover that they're getting from their defensive line, right, Dane, that this unit would be performing very well, but they have not. And one thing that's really stuck out to people is that they have tackled extremely poorly. So what do you make of Miami secondary, and what's the reason for the woes for a pretty talented unit? Yeah, um, I definitely agree that they're talented. Uh, I think explosive plays is really where they – they give it up like through the air. Um, I think that's probably the weakness of their whole entire defense, just statistically, like as a unit, the linebackers are probably the least talented, but are definitely the least talented I'd say, but the secondary really gives, they give up the deep ball too often for sure. Um, they're 36 nationally in, in pass defense success rate, which is pretty good. Yeah. But net yards per pass is 8.7. For them, that's 122nd in the country. Like, uh, that's crazy with all the pressure that they put opposing quarterbacks and that they're able to complete such long passes at such a high clip, right? Definitely. And I think, um, another stat they're 131st nationally in yards after catch per reception. Um, oh th- my god, that is the worst in the country, isn't it? Oh, actually, yes, it is. It is the worst. One thirty-one's all there are, worst. so they are the worst. <laughs> and man, Florida State—they've got some wide receivers: Micah Pittman, Johnny Wilson, Ontario Wilson. They've got some guys that, as soon as they catch the ball, they convert to running backs really quick. So that's something to where if you can make that Miami secondary have to make tough tackles all night, they could just get gouged. Yeah, yeah, and I think that stat a lot of that stat comes from guys catching the ball at like the 40 with nothing but green grass in front of them because they're gotcha. just naked in coverage and running their route and, and they score off of it. That's what I assume. Um, that's why I jotted that down. But yeah, I, I think you can look to take advantage of them in the explosive passing game. That's something that Florida state does really well generally. Um, yeah, absolutely. A hallmark of yeah. Mike Norvell's offenses, especially ours this year. So with Jordan Travis, yeah, it's funny. Obviously, Jordan Travis is going to have to showcase his legs. And is it necessarily in the running game with like some of the zone read stuff? Or is it more to showcase his legs to get some more pocket, some more pocket time to connect with these long explosive pass plays uh, that Miami seems really, really bad at giving up? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that how they attack how they attack both of these two units. Anything else that you'd like to talk about the Miami team before we get to the predictions? Which, as is tradition, I'm sure you're not a hundred percent ready for. So I'll let you have a little bit of time to come up with the number that you think it's going to be. Yeah, I think I've kind of gotten into a routine how I prepare for this, and in that routine, it's just. Nowhere included is that score prediction. So, <laughs> and, and it'll so never no, be. I'm, Don't ever change, probably bud. Not. Probably <laughs> not. Um, yeah, there's a few more things I want to mention. Like, uh, I just kind of keys to the game. I mm-hmm. think, like we mentioned, explosive passes. Like, Florida State has to get theirs, and that's something that Miami isn't great at defending. Um, but you need to get those. And I think you need to turn them into seven because Miami is, is pretty good in the red zone. Like, really good. Defensive red zone efficiency, they rank eighth nationally. And Florida State, as we know, isn't great offensively no. in the red zone. They rank 80th. And then just goal to go, like within the 10-yard line, uh, Miami ranks 15th nationally in efficiency within that 10 yards, and Florida State ranks 90th. So I think when you get in a scoring opportunity, uh, I don't want to see Florida State. I mean, obviously you want to see Florida State in the red zone a lot, but I would rather them cash in on those explosives in the first place. 
me too. Me too, buddy. Hundred percent. And uh, another stat I wanted to mention about the defensive line too, um, and it's another key to the game, I guess you could say. It's a really big discrepancy. Is that Miami? They pressure the quarterback. This is a strength of their defensive line, of course. They pressure the def- They pressure the quarterback forty-one point one percent of the time. That ranks fourth nationally. Really, wow. really good. And FSU allows pressure. Uh, 37% of the time, which is 108th. And Jordan is really good at getting out of sack. He's really good at getting out of trouble. Um, but like we mentioned, they're definitely going to have to scheme around that that really strong defensive line because it might – Florida State's weakness might be up front too. Yeah, it's kind of strength versus Florida State weakness. And it's one of those games too where if Miami can convert some of that pressure to sacks, Florida State – We've been allowing a lot of pressure, but we've been bailed out by Travis's legs, not necessarily converting that pressure to sacks. If this is a game where they do convert pressure to sacks, not only is it going to put Florida State behind the chains, could lead to some costly turnovers, which, I mean, I I think Florida State has definitely performed much better on the field this year than Miami. But if there is one way in a rivalry game that the better team can lose, uh, it it is in the turnover battle. So something to watch out for, for sure, Dane. So what do you think? Give me score predictions. What is going to happen on Saturday night down in Miami? I'm going 27-20. Florida State. There we go. What do you think? You just don't think that Miami's offense is going to be able to do enough, and we think that Florida State should be able to scrape together enough explosives to win the game? Yeah, I think that's generally what it's going to be. Like Miami's really good on a down-to-down basis with success rate, and Florida State's not great at defending that specifically. But I think if you make Miami drive – all game, like in all likelihood they're going to do. Um, you're going to stop them enough, especially in the red zone. And then Florida State, yeah, I, I think Mike Norvell's going to scheme with enough explosives. Jordan Travis can have a good game. Johnny Wilson can have a big game, whoever it is. And they'll score more points than Miami. I'm with you on that. Score more points. That's the name of the game. I feel you. I think that the energy, we don't like to talk about soft factors too much on these type of programs. We like to look at the stats, the film, everything like that. I do think that that is going to be an issue at the beginning of the game. High energy. Miami's going to come out. It is their Super Bowls, particularly this year when they have nothing really else to play for. They are going to come out amped. I think that they will play the best that they have this season. Uh, could be a tight game by halftime. But then I think the more consistent execution of Florida State is going to win out. And I do think that they're going to cover in a rivalry game on the road. I think that Florida State wins something like 31-20. to 20. And I almost struggled giving Miami 20 points uh, because of the quarterback situation. But we will see. I think that, you know, there'll probably be some sort of reverse pass or we'll get burned on some crossing route with Wolver Mallory over the middle. But in the end, I think Florida State wins by double digits and they uh, assert their dominance over their, their rival from the south. Uh, Dane, anything else you'd like to say before we get out of there? We're both predicting a Florida State win. Man, I hope they do, because if not, that instant reaction is going to suck pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, um, I think if Florida State had their best game and this wasn't as heated of a rivalry as it is and you you know Miami isn't going to come out playing their A game, that sort of thing, I think I think you can predict a blowout maybe. Um, Wouldn't it's just be the nature of this rivalry. Like, I, Florida State's far more likely to blow Miami out than, than – reverse right absolutely but, um, you just can't expect that in this sort of game no no we're not but man i'd take it for sure that'd be a nice little stress-free uh, saturday night for your boys but anyway we hope it's a stress-free saturday night for you guys we hope it's a florida state victory 
This is Noel, thy enemy, and thank you for listening. We will be back next week. Of course, stay tuned to Noel's 24-7 for the best, most comprehensive FSU coverage on the beat. We love you guys. Keep chopping. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.